Great stuff. Everyone doing good this morning? Yeah? You ready for the final part of Habakkuk, our series on the book of Habakkuk, Habakkuk 3 today? And it's my privilege that I get to bring the message. And uh, just as Gavin said, if this is your first time at Icon Church, then whether here in Chesterfield, there in Sheffield or online, I want to give you a huge welcome. So come on, church, let's welcome everyone here today. I want to say we have an incredible phrase and uh, we really believe it. You belong here. And uh, many people's stories are they belonged before they believed. And uh, big shout out to Sheffield who are joining us for this final part of our Habakkuk series. And I really believe God wants to speak to each and every one of us. Whatever life looks like, wherever we find ourselves in life, I really believe God wants to speak to us today. So would you join with me in praying and ask God to speak to us today? Lord, we thank you for today. Thank you that we get to gather and we thank you that we get to gather around your word. And we pray today, God, Lord, that you would speak to each and every one of us, wherever we find ourselves, as we open our hearts to your word, that you would speak to us right now in Jesus' name. And everyone said? Amen. 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 Why don't you say hello to two or three people? Grab your seat. Say hello in the chat online. Do it. As quick hellos here in Chesterfield. Heard a complaint on the front row there. The title of my message um, and this third part in our Habakkuk series is this, Remember Mercy. Remember Mercy. And it comes uh, from these verses, Habakkuk 3 and verse 2. And uh, I'm going to read them from the New King James Version. Uh, It says this, O Lord, I have heard your speech and was afraid. O Lord... Revive your work in the midst of the years. In the midst of the years, make it known. In wrath, remember mercy. In wrath, remember mercy. Um, Actually, in the New International Version, those verses start with uh, this phrase. It says, Lord, I have heard of your fame. Lord, I've heard of your fame. I don't know um, whether we've got any famous people Or maybe uh, you might class yourself as famous. I don't know. Maybe you're Instagram famous, social media famous, TikTok famous. I don't know. We had, uh, if you know what TikTok is, uh, I see some confused faces here uh, right now. Uh, But TikTok is like another social media platform. We got a a TikTok for youth and uh, we put things on. And uh, I'm looking on the second row because Imi does a lot of those for uh, Icon Youth. And she's a hero. But we did a, a night called Champions League Night. And um, uh, let's just say uh, our Champions League night video on TikTok went viral and uh, got mocked a little bit because everyone's like, this is not the real Champions League. Uh, If you don't know what Champions League is, Champions League is like this big sport in football event, Champions League final. And we had this Champions League night right near it and put this video out. I I can't remember. It must have like, like, you know, over like 25,000 likes on it, I think, or something like that. It might not be likes, that might be views or whatever. Um, but like it literally went, we got comments on it like, is this the beta Champions League? Um, this is Chesterfield's version of the Champions League. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't know if you have uh, one of those stories that is, is kind of your claim to fame. Maybe that five minutes of fame, that moment of five minutes of fame. I was remembering... Um, 
And some of you may remember if you've been around church, but I was remembering the, uh, the uh, event that happened at Wembley Stadium called uh, Champion of the World, which was Noel Richards, Gerald Coates, Okay, they put on this big Christian-like event at Wembley Stadium, the old Wembley Stadium as well, the real Wembley Stadium, and with the uh, two towers, and um, it was there. And on the videos, um, I remember we had the video afterwards, I'm there on somebody's shoulders, and I'm literally on screen for like three seconds, whatever it is, but it was like my claim to fame. I, I don't know if you've got one of those stories, maybe you've got a story of someone you went to school with. Or someone who went to your school who became famous? Anyone? Anyone? No, no, no one in this room. Oh, I see you, I see you. You really want to tell us now. Uh, I can see you in Sheffield as well. You went to school with someone. Maybe you lived on the same street. Or maybe you remember somebody who lived near you or whatever. Or maybe you played football with someone. If, you, if you've never been to Icon Church or you've not heard me speak once... Um, then I'll just let you know that I played with Jamie Vardy, who now plays for Leicester, played for England, all of that. I didn't play with him when he was a kid either. I played with him when he was, a, uh, you know, an adult, semi-professional, Stocksbridge Park deals. It's kind of my claim to fame anyway. <laughs> but here Habakkuk starts this, Lord, I've heard your speech or, uh, in uh, the New King James, but in the NIV he says, I've heard of your fame. But Many times when we think of hearing about somebody's fame, the majority of time we hear about their fame, it's a good thing. It's the good things that they have done. It's the good moments that we begin to think of. We are claim to fame. Maybe we, uh, you know, I, I know um, my dad went to the same school as uh, Jason Statham, the actor, and uh, he's from Shybrook, and my dad tells me, and see, I got a nod on the back row, and my facts are correct, all of that, but we probably remember his good movies. If he did bad movies, you might not admit it, um, but it's his good movies, but we've heard over these last couple of weeks that Habakkuk had these two questions of God. The first one we find in Habakkuk 1 and verses 2 to 4, where it says, How long, Lord, must I call for help, but you do not listen? Or cry out to you, violence, but you do not save? Why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? Destruction and violence are before me. There is strife and conflict abounds. Therefore, the law is paralyzed and justice never prevails. The wicked hem in the righteous so that justice is perverted. You see Habakkuk's first question there, like, God, how long do I have to cry out for justice? How long do I have to do it? And the answer from God is probably not the answer that we're expecting. The answer from God is, and we've heard it, that the Babylonians are actually going to come and, uh, you know, punish Judah. That's the first question, and that's the answer from God. The second question we find in Habakkuk 1 and verse 12, it says this, Lord, are you not from everlasting? So, so Habakkuk has had God's response to the first question. Here's the second question. Lord, are you not from everlasting? My God, my Holy One, you will never die. You, Lord, have appointed them, Babylon. Babylonians, the Babylonians, to execute judgment. You, my rock, have ordained them to punish. So God would use the Babylonians to punish, even though they were wicked. Even though, and the answer from God, so Habakkuk's question, even though they're wicked, how can you use them to punish? And the answer from God is the Babylonians will 
be punished eventually and faith will be rewarded because God will be faithful to his people. Habakkuk 2 and verse 4, see the enemy is puffed up. His desires are not all right, but the righteous person will live by his faithfulness. You see, Habakkuk has this conviction that God is going to act. That even in the midst of what is being said by God to Habakkuk, that Habakkuk has this conviction that God is going to act. Habakkuk prophesies the Babylonian invasion actually at least a couple of decades before it even happens. Before it even happens. And so he's aware of what is coming. And we've just read Habakkuk 3 and verse 2, which is the opening to Habakkuk's prayer. And it starts, like I said, in the New International Version, I have heard of your fame and I stand in awe of your deeds. What is that fame? What are those deeds? Well, we often like going back, we often refer to people's, maybe the good moments, the good movies, the good moments. But here, Habakkuk's not referring to all of those good moments. He's referring and recalling God's works of judgment. You begin to see it, actually. If you begin to read the rest of the verses, the following verses, they'll reference plague, pestilence, earthquakes, the displacement of people, floods, the Egyptians being destroyed at the Red Sea. You just have to read Habakkuk 3, verses 3 to 16. And um, it's great light-hearted reading for you. Because <laughs> it references all of these things. And you can understand Habakkuk's afraid. There's real like, I'm afraid this is really going to happen. There's the reality of God's judgment is about to hit him. And so in this moment of prayer, he asks God in his wrath to remember mercy. In his wrath, remember mercy. I, I think sometimes we can ask ourselves the question, what do I do when it feels like it's not going as I want it to? What do I do when life feels like it's not going as one? The fear of the moment. And that is probably what Habakkuk is facing right in this moment. There's a fear of the moment. He has a conviction that God is going to act, but probably not act in the way that he thought he should act. In this moment, he's facing and feeling and knowing this fear, this, he's being afraid. You see, we don't talk about wrath much. Um, but when we do or we hear it mentioned, we probably or our minds go to, and no judgment here, but our minds go to those who we think will feel the wrath of God. You have to say it in a deep voice. The wrath of God. We go to that. But we're, we're among good company, okay? Because even Jesus' disciples thought that way. If you look at Luke 9 and verse 52 to 54, Jesus sent on messengers on ahead who went into a Samaritan village to get things ready for him. But the people there did not welcome Jesus because he was heading for Jerusalem. When the disciples, James and John, saw this, they asked, Lord, do you want us to call, down, call fire down from heaven to destroy them? You ever prayed a prayer like that? You ever had one of those moments where it's like, uh, I asked Jesus, can I call fire down from heaven to destroy? Because that's why we, when we think of wrath, we maybe think of others. You see, what is wrath is a, a great question and probably one that today we can't fully answer. But it's one that leads to many other questions, which we can answer today. The question, you know, the, what is wrath leads to questions like, is God angry? Is God a bloodthirsty deity who requires ritual killing? Is God violent and one who uses violence to force his will upon others? Is God a 
serial killer. But our answer is found in scripture where it says Jesus is the visible image of the invisible God. And so if Jesus is what God is like, no, surely not, God is love. See, the wages of sin are death, but God is love. War is hell, but God is love. Displacement is torture, but God is love. Violence is human, but God is love. And so our shorthand answer then to what is wrath has to be this. And this is written by uh, Paul, our lead pastor, because it uses some big words. I'll give you my version in a minute. His divine consent to our own self-destructive will. Or in other words, God lets us have what we want. And he'll remove his hand of protection that would shield us from some of those consequences. Because God is love. He lets us have what we want. But in this moment, Habakkuk is not just thinking of God's wrath. You see, in wrath, remember mercy. In this moment, he's not just thinking of God's wrath or God's judgment, all of this that's coming about, but he's remembering and thinking of God's mercy. In wrath, remember mercy. And it's this prayer, this prayer for revival that we would see all over the Old Testament. It's this prayer that we would see happen many different times by many different characters in the Old Testament. There would be this prayer to revive his people. That God would revive his people. Psalm 85 and verse 6. The verses that we're going to kind of zone in on today. It says this. Will you not revive us again? That your people may rejoice in you. I wonder if in Habakkuk's moment. In wrath. Remember mercy. He's actually crying out. That they would be revived again. So they could rejoice in God. And rejoice in all that he has for them. Like this prayer would be that after maybe the judgment, God would restore his people and remember mercy. That God would do that. And today, see this is the amazing thing. Today we know that God would ultimately remember mercy through the cross. That he would send Jesus to die for each and every one of us. He would pour that judgment on Jesus. Our sins would be taken to the cross. Those very things that would separate us from God. That very thing would be put on Jesus at the cross. And it's not just for a select few. It's for every single one of us that today we can be revived again. We can remember his mercy again. We can remember it today. But they also had the prophecies of a coming Messiah. They would know that ultimately God would remember his mercy. But Habakkuk seems down. Who seems down? He seems like he's prophesying an impending doom. But he's also convinced that God would be merciful. And so right at the end of the book of Habakkuk, I love this. Because you see he responds with praise and faith. Habakkuk 3, 17 to 19. Though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in, my, in God my Savior. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. 
He enables me to tread on the heights. See, it's a song you can see. It's for the director of music. So it's for Ruth Sheldon this morning who led worship here on his stringed instruments whilst playing bass and singing at the same time. See, Habakkuk has this revelation. God is going to sustain him. I wonder if today there in Sheffield that you have a revelation that God will sustain you. That no matter what you may be facing, that God will sustain you. That Habakkuk has this realization that he will be able to bear the trouble because God will be with him. I wonder if here in Chesterfield, there online, that we have a revelation today that actually we can bear the trouble, bear what we may face because God is with us. He is the reviver of all people. He will revive us. He will bring about a revival in our hearts. Why? Because he is a reviver of all people. You see, the amazing thing is that we know the end of the story because we can read it. We know the end of the story. We know that God is victorious. We know that he revives. We know he brings about revival into the hearts. But I want you to know today that that's not just an end of the story. It's a today's story. That he can revive your life there in Sheffield today. He can do it no matter what you may be facing. He can revive it today. So five questions for us about revival that come out of some thoughts of zoning in on Psalm 85 and verse 6, which says, will you not revive us again that your people may rejoice in you? The first one is this, what is revival? What is revival? It's a word that gets thrown around a lot in church life. It's this word that gets thrown around uh, all the time. I've heard it so many times in my life in church. I I tell our young people that uh, if you combined all the church services you've been to in youth, I've been to twice as many because I'm what's known in the industry as a PK. For those in Sheffield, that's a pastor's kid. That basically meant that we were at church. You know, when when kids were doing their own work, I was at church. I I I even remembered the first time I ever took notes in a message. And um, I think Sam was like really young and we were at our leaders. See, this is it. I'm a PK. So I was at a leaders conference for leaders and I'm sat there as like an eight, nine year old and mum had to go out with Sam and she gave me a notebook and said, will you take notes for me? That was the first time I ever made notes on a message. I hear some R's in the room here. But being around that environment, you'd hear this word revival. You see, and many times you thought revival was this big one-time event this big moment, and God does things in moments that we would call revivals. You would hear of the great revivals of certain places, but also there's revivals that happen within our lives. You see, it's God refreshing his people with more mercy than we've ever known before. It's God refreshing his people with mercy, with more mercy than we've ever known before. It's revival isn't God recycling the same old, same old, but it's God visiting us with a fresh blessing. Uh, yes, yesterday, Zion started playing football for a uh, football team, which means there's two pairs of boots to clean in uh, our house. And so I bought this little contraption. Anyone know what it is? It's called a boot buddy. Anyone see it on uh, Dragon's Den? Okay, I've not used it yet, as you can see, um, because it got delivered last night at 9 p.m. 
I, I ordered it at midday yesterday and got it at 9 p.m. Praise the Lord. Um, but, but this, on the, on the packaging, will say it'll maintain and it'll prolong the life of your boots. You can use it for football boots. You can use it for walking boots. Not that, you know, why would you go walking? Anyway. There's a few walkers in the room. Um, it makes it clean for a moment. And I think for some of us, we think this is what God does. He just makes us clean for a moment. He just prolongs or maintains. But that's not what scripture says. That's not what the Bible tells us. Actually, the word revive means this, not only to just keep alive, but somewhat refresh, renew, give new strength to the church and people who wait for God. It's this renewing, it's this re-strengthening. This is what revival is. It's not that I get cleaned up. It's no, that actually I come out in new packaging. I'm made new. The Bible tells us that the old is gone and the new is here. I'm a new creation. Now I'm a new creation in Jesus. That's what it is. So what God was going to do, Habakkuk is praying for revival. The psalmist is saying, will you not revive us again? What, what they're asking God to do is refresh us, renew us, give strength to his people. I don't know, but maybe this is for somebody today that you need revival to begin to stir up in your life there in Sheffield because you need to be refreshed, renewed. It feels like you're going over the same old, same old. I'm just cleaning it up a little bit to kind of prolong. No, no, no. There's a new life that you can receive in Jesus today. There's new for each and every one of us. And it's the same for us as church. As we wait on God, he will revive us. So that's what revival is. The second is who needs revival? Well, kind of alluding to it, but we do. We do. Like personally, we do. As Icon Church, we do. You know, like, like why would we even want to not receive revival in our hearts and in our lives? Um, it was the Laodiceans who said, I need nothing, which only proved that they needed everything. Uh, Leonard Ravenhill said this, the only reason we don't have revival is because we are willing to live without it. Because we're willing to go through life, meander through life. And I really believe, like as I was reading this verse in Habakkuk and reading his ending uh, in Habakkuk 3, it was like he, he, he knows what's going to happen. He has a conviction that God is going to act. We know it happens because we know the story now, but he has this conviction. But Habakkuk is in these verses is like, but I don't want to live without that revival. I don't want to live without that mercy of God being upon my lives. What about our lives? Are we willing to walk through our Mondays without actually seeing revival to float through life? Now we need revival. I need to be revived by God. I need that new life in me. I need that new life for my everyday, for the strengthening for today. I need it for my tomorrow when I walk into university or my work or even just to parent in my family. I, I got three kids now. I need revival. <laughs> Come on. I don't want to float through life and live without it. I don't want to miss it. I don't want to think I'm above it. 
No, I want to receive it. I want to be revived again in my heart. I need revival. We need revival. And we need it as Icon Church. So thirdly, who is the reviver? Well, it's God alone. It's God alone. I'll say it again because I'm saying it for a reason. It's God alone. It's not God and. It's God alone. You see, um, if you look at that verse in Psalm 85 and verse 6, the word you is emphatic. Will you not revive us again? Will you not revive us again? Not will we not be, no, will you? Because it's God alone. It's grace for the undeserving through the finished work of Jesus on the cross. It's grace for each and every one of us. It's who God is. He is a reviver. Jesus said in John 11 verse 25, he's talking to um, somebody and he says, I am the resurrection and the life. I am the resurrection and the life. Not anybody else. No, I am the resurrection and the life. You can come with all your problems. You can come weak and needy. You can come as you are. But the most important thing about our future is not about who we are today, but it's about who God is. And he's a reviver. And he can bring about revival in our lives. We just got to go to him alone. I don't know, but I'm, I've tried to force it upon myself. Revival. Any reviving. I've tried to do things. Let me tell you, you know, like, I want to be more productive. So let me watch 10 YouTube videos about being more productive, which actually makes me less productive because I've watched 10 YouTube videos about it. Anyone with me? Anyone done that? You know, like... How, how, do I, uh, how do I cut my grass into lines 10 videos later? I've still not cut my grass. I know, I know I'm sad. Artificial ahead. That's the next job. Um, but can we, are, we, are we relying on ourselves to kind of muster up some kind of revival in our lives? Or are we truly relying on God to revive us? Are we truly relying on God? I, I, I said I grew up in church and heard this phrase, allow the cross to do its work. Allow the cross to finish its work in your life. Allow the cross to do its work in your life. And I always like was a little bit confused by that statement because I was like, well, you know, I don't fully get it. But maybe I kind of get it now. It's about trusting Jesus through the cross that I can receive all that I need, that I can be revived through the cross, that I can come to the cross and the cross isn't this place of torture and punishment for Jesus but it's a place of grace and a place where we can receive everything you see um, in Hebrews the Hebrew writer writes like this he would say um, come boldly to the throne of grace there you'll receive all you'll need come boldly so it's God alone can't do this by my own strength it's God alone the fourth question is this, so what is the impact of revival? Well, I mentioned that revive and being refreshed and renewed. I mentioned that it's not just, oh, I get cleaned up for a moment. No, we're lifted up to new life. 
we're lifted up to new life so that we can rejoice in him again. You see, there's a byproduct to revival in our hearts. Will you not revive us again so that we may rejoice in you? There's a byproduct. If you want to know if you're truly experiencing revival in your life, here's what will happen. You'll rejoice in God like never before. I loved this morning when we announced our vision offering total. And I hope there in Sheffield, you felt exactly the same as we did in here. Because there was a celebration. There was a rejoicing. Yes, that we were all together, but we saw that God was at work in our, in us as Icon Church. And we're able to rejoice in God. That's a moment of God revival because he puts this new excitement this new energy in our soul and we get a whole new outlook on life you ever had one of those moments where you're facing something and all of a sudden God does something in your life and you walk out and you're like no matter what I'm facing God is with me no matter what's happening God is for me we get a new outlook on life we get lifted up with new life we can walk out of here with a new energy for obeying God we can walk out of here with a new energy to walk out of our church going do you know what I'm going to live for Jesus this week I'm going to follow him this week that I'm going to do that and I'm going to keep following him that's what happens that's the impact of revival and the last question so what are our chances what are our chances of being revived today? What are our chances? Well, sometimes I think when we read the verse in Psalms, will you not revive us again? It's kind of like, it seems like a plea. It seems like a little bit of a moan that where they're at, will you not revive us again? Please God, we need it. But no, it's, a, it's an ask with expectancy. In fact, the, the version of the Old Testament that is published by the Jewish Publication Society, and they definitely know their Hebrew better than Nathan Benger, paraphrases verse 6, not as a question, but as an assertion. Surely you will revive us again. Surely you will revive us again. Surely you will revive us again. Surely, I don't know, but maybe you, you've come and maybe you've been asking in a plea, but maybe today, just like Habakkuk had a conviction that God was going to act, but also at the end had this praise and faith, this moment. Maybe today there has to be a surely in your life. Surely God is going to move. Surely He's going to revive us again. Surely He's going to bring it around. See, in other words, this is who God is. He's a reviver and he has revival for each and every one of us. And so today we can be refreshed. We can be renewed. That no matter what we may be facing, no matter what we may walk into, no matter what world we may even face, we can be revived today. Surely you will revive us again. You see, our faithfulness to Jesus is a place of worship. It's a place of conviction, a conviction that He can sustain us. It's a conviction that no matter what, I'm going to rejoice in Him, that He has that. And we can expect God's reviving work personally in our lives. We can expect God's reviving work 
in us as Icon Church there in Sheffield, you can expect God's reviving work in your life today. Because Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. I am the resurrection and the life. I wonder if we could put that up again. Surely you will revive us again. I want to pray that over us today. I want to pray that over your life today. I don't know every story, but God does. Maybe that has to become a conviction in your life. Maybe every single day you just go, surely you will revive me again. Surely you will revive me. Maybe that's the maybe that's the prayer. Maybe that's the conviction. Whatever you may be facing, surely you will revive us again. So let me pray for us there in Sheffield. Let me pray for you. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that we can know who you are, God. We thank you we can know your mercy ultimately through the cross. We thank you today that you are a reviver and that you want to revive us again. And I pray over every single person. We declare that over our lives, surely you will revive us again. That you would bring about revival in our hearts, that you would refresh and renew and strengthen right now by your Holy Spirit. We remember the cross and we take this moment to thank you for it, that your mercy was poured out on that cross as you died for each and every one of us. And we take seriously, Jesus, when you said, I am the resurrection and the life. And I declare over people's lives right now, resurrection in the name of Jesus. I declare life right now that you would revive again by your Holy Spirit. We thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, why don't we stand wherever we are? Lord Jesus, we ask you to revive us right now. Maybe you need to say that in your heart. Maybe even out loud, you need to say, surely you will revive us again. Maybe over situations, surely you will revive us again. Maybe you need to put your trust in God like never before. Surely you will revive us again. Right now, we're declaring you will revive us again, God, in Jesus' name.